You're listening to Monocle on Sunday, first broadcast on the 4th of April 2021 on Monocle 24. Good morning and welcome to a very special edition of Monocle on Sunday. I'm Tyler Brule in Zurich. Coming up, I'll be joined by Gillian Tobias and Chandra Kurt here in the studio with us and also by Andrew Tuck, Emma Nelson and Sophie Grove back in London. We'll be getting wine tips for an Easter lunch, inspiration for hosting your dinner party and we'll cross over to Toronto to hear from our Bureau Chief Thomas Lewis who is freshly out from quarantine. It's the 4th of April 2021, Easter Sunday from Zurich and London. This is Monocle on Sunday. Live from Zurich, this is Monocle on Sunday with Tyler Brule. Good morning from Zurich. Not quite live. Well, it could be live if you want to. Anyway, hope you're having a very, very wonderful Easter Sunday. We've got a bit of a busy program ahead. We're going to jump over to London in a moment, but first we'll start here in Zurich. Gillian Tobias is still here. She <laughs> arrived about two weeks ago. Uh, we, we think she might be heading home sometime uh, mid-April, but then we've got the Biennale coming up in Venice. So, I don't know, Gillian, you could be here for a stretch, it seems. I'm, I'm already feeling uh, quite local here, Tyler, so my, my stay is very elastic, but um, yeah, it's, it's nice being a sort of a, a resident of Zurich, even if it is for just a couple more weeks, but I hope it's for longer. Yeah, well, you, you were, we were sort of resident uh, on Chandra Kurt's uh, balcony uh, at the back end of, of the week. Uh, Chandra Kurt, of course, uh, editor of the Wine Cellar, uh, and of course, a regular voice contributor, not just to radio, to the pages of Confect, uh, printed, and of course, uh, in newsletter format. Guten Morgen. Guten Morgen. Austin auch. It was wonderful. Uh, happy Easter yes, to all of you. It was wonderful to open the terror season with you. And uh, I think we did a good impression with the bottle count. So <laughs> can only get better. Well, and, and on that, Andrew uh, is, is over in London, uh, also with, uh, with Emma and Sophie. Andrew, I just I have to bring you in here right away because Chandra has given us really the perfect segue. Because Chandra, you reminded us that it was almost a year ago that also... Andrew is over as well. Andrew, Andrew, do you recall that evening uh, with with Chandra and Orna on uh, up on that terrace? I just remember ever increasingly large bottles of of wine heading in our direction, including some nice ones from uh, the Beccar Valley. Uh, exactly. it, it was it was a very tasty night. I'm, I'm bitter. I wasn't there this time. Well, and it, it, this we should also point out as well that uh, Chandra doesn't deal in in wine buckets. They're they're more like those kind of metal tubs that, you know, sheep get dipped into or, or, or cattle. I mean, there's, there's, there is so much ice and, and of course, uh, very chilled water. And, and those, those bottles sort of just keep on sort of reappearing magically. I seem to remember she was actually serving the wine in wine buckets to each of us as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly what my head felt like the following morning anyway. Well, we're going we're to be doing a lot of, uh, of testing uh, as well. As I said, uh, Sophie Grove uh, is also in London, Emma Nelson uh, as well. Sophie, uh, in, in the spirit of Easter, if people haven't seen it, maybe you can describe the issue two, well, issue two of Confect, uh, which uh, arrived off the truck uh, from... Uh, just outside of Hanover, uh, arrived here in, in both in London and Zurich um, on on Monday. But it, it feels it feels very spring. It does. I mean, we've got 
just taking a glance at the cover, it's very fresh. Lots of citrus, lemons, beautiful azure blue. There's so many wonderful ideas for sort of trips that you might be taking. Um, but also just great looks for, for the spring to take us, you know, out of those cosy coats and into some really lovely shirtings. We've got this beautiful shoot done by Daphne Ezar, who's our, who's one of our um, contributing editors. And she went to a market in, in Nice. And it's just a wonderful piece of reportage, really, but also just the perfect looks for an outing to a market. Um, just grabbing lots of bunches of mimosa and um, wonderful, more lemons, I think. <laughs> but um, it's just, there's so much in there and a beautiful piece on the Spanish writer school in Vienna um, so much elegance and austerity and serenity so a real mixed bag uh, Emma just uh, that sort of image of flowers and mimosa and, and everything else sort of sounds like you're, you're Sunday before you come on radio absolutely that's all I do I've um, I'm, I'm a, as Gillian will know full well I am a big fan of one beautiful kind of flower as a centerpiece on my table um, and I spend hours taking photographs of it which never look quite <laughs> as lovely as they could be but I, I live in blissful ignorance of the kind of flowers that I buy as long as they're beautiful I'm, I'm absolutely fine but I'm not averse to buying the odd very handsome lemon either and placing that mm-hmm. as a centerpiece as my on my bowl, so which is why I love the the front cover of Confect. There's an enormous lemon which has been sliced in into these beautiful, thick, juicy slices. Just uh, magnificently appetising. But uh, but yes, now my floristry skills. I'm hoping to improve them by the end of today. Uh, Andrew, just uh, maybe uh, as we sort of you know, e- eased into uh, this uh, this week, uh, and of course, and, and a long a long weekend um, as well. What, what's the sort of sense of anticipation? Because it's it's really only a little more of a, than a week to go. And retail uh, will reopen, all going well. Uh, restaurants will be opening outside. Uh, is, is there a bit of a sense of giddiness? Because also you've had a really extraordinary uh, few days of weather as well. I think that actually people are moving a little bit ahead of the change of regulations, <laughs> to put it mildly. I think uh, I'm not, not going to drop anyone in it, but I've certainly been <laughs> contacting friends at the weekend saying we'd like to go for a walk and they're like, uh, actually, we're going to dinner with our neighbours. So um, I think that people are already kind of beginning to break the rules and the government is saying don't do it. But the weather has been blissful. There's, there, you certainly feel more people on the street wherever you go. And I was uh, up near Hyde Park in the middle of the week where actually it just felt like a proper summer's evening. It was absolutely packed. And they've, they've put the deck chairs back out already in Hyde Park, which is a sure sign that someone has just pressed the big green light, which is please come back out here and have some fun. There's no doubt that, that, that London this week absolutely turned on its head and everybody feels ten times brighter. Yes. Right? And I've seen pictures of Primrose Hill and it looks like Glastonbury. Well, in a good and a bad way. I think, I think, I think, I think you got a bit fighty up there. And I know it's your neighbourhood, Gillian, but I thought you lived in a refined quarter of London. And suddenly I, I, like, I realised it's just all hoi polloi and ruffians where you live. So I've heard. I'm quite shocked. So, so maybe, yeah, maybe you're happy that, uh, that you're over on, on this side of yeah, the channel. But Chandra, also the other evening um, as well, you know, from, from your rooftop, I mean, even though maybe the courtyard below is a little bit quiet, but it's also just the city you know, right now. I mean, there's, there's not much the government can do to contain people because people are just sitting out everywhere. And uh, I mean, even just sort of, you know, the streets below where you are in and around Christphere is absolutely electric. Not only the temperature rise, it's like the leaves of the trees. You know, everything is popping and, and wants to go out and wants to, to meet each other and, and to, to think that everything is okay. I think uh, there is a fatigue that, that we feel and, and people want to forget about it and, and start to enjoy. So on, on the top, 
topic of, of, of forgetting things, or maybe at least for, for a, a brief stretch, I want to, uh, to open it up because there's, there's two parts to today's show. As I said, it's a special edition. So we come to one, one of the favorite bits. Everyone, of course, has to, of course, give Chandra their, their wine brief, uh, which we're going to get to. But also, we have a special guest coming um, from the other side of the street um, that we have Christoph Klein coming from uh, our, our local florist. So, Andrew, this is, this is a special segment for you because this he's, he's going to really sort of fulfill all of your wishes in terms of what you can do with your your rooftop and 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 balcony whatever whatever that outdoor sort of setting is Christoph is going to, to sort you out so uh, so a- any questions that anyone has concerning how do you have a better terrace a better balcony we're also going to answer those questions but Emma I'm going to start with you uh, it seems that somehow across microphones you and Chandra have a very special relationship <laughs> throw, 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 throw Chandra throw Chandra a, 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 a not yeah just just give, give her some type of briefing uh, in terms of of what you need what's going to be happening around the Nelson uh, Easter buffet table whatever it's going to be later today what kind of wine are you looking for okay you know, Chandra I was so you know how excited I am when I got there and I suddenly got my recipe books out because I knew that you were coming okay here we go I've thought about this starting off with a grilled zucchini with ricotta okay. and then main course is a stuffed leg of lamb and I'm stuffing it with rosemary, anchovy, garlic, lemon. Wow. And breadcrumbs. <laughs> Amazing. We're going Amazing. to town because yeah, I knew good. you were coming. You know I know yeah. up my cooking game when I know that you're all going to be good. on the radio because I have to I have to get some cook something that's worthy of your choices. That, that's a lot of stuffing. Eh? It's, it's, it's a, a long, lot of stuffing. It's a long weekend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna take. How okay. do you stuff a lick? You butterfly it and then you marinate okay. it and then you put it under the skin. <laughs> okay. Honestly, okay, when we meet, we're 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 going for we're going for hours. Chandra's <laughs> already invited. Has already invited herself. So that, that that's okay. quite clear. Okay, Gillian, you, you know you have a, you have a special setup here right now. We won't talk about where you're living. We'll we'll, we'll move on from that. Uh, but but ne- nevertheless, uh, are, are you thinking maybe you just want something with maybe a, a nice just. I know you're gonna maybe have a few little nibbles down by the lake later. What no, kind no, of wine? No, I don't okay. want nibbles. Okay, no, what do you, I okay. decided what I want. Okay, all right. I had it, and I'm gonna try and recreate it. So I discovered last weekend in Kandersteg this incredible rosti with this rich, rich mushroom sauce with all kinds of mushrooms, and it was this decadent, heady sauce. So I want to try and recreate that myself, and I want the perfect wine to go with my um, Pilsen rosti. Builds perfect. Okay, very good. Uh, Andrew. I'm going to take you down market straight away. Um, if if if, uh, if I was just cracking open a very large bar, you know one of those bars you get when you come to your duty free, because I'm dreaming of duty free, one of those large bars of Toblerone, what would be a nice glass of wine to have with the Toblerone? Oh my God. Really brilliant. <laughs> she said, yeah. The, Andrew, the poor lady. This is, we're, this is a standing show here. We're, we're not seated. It's got to be a John, test. John, I know. Chandra just about fell you off the plinth here in Zurich. You should see her thinking. Her eyes are going yeah, up yeah. and down. Well, hold, hold on, Julian. I, we've all been left Don't with an image of you nibbling down by the lake. So I'm... <laughs> <laughs> and it has to be a large Toblerone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, awesome. the, 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 duty, the duty-free special. <laughs> okay. Sophie Grove. So I'm going to be eating white asparagus, um, which I'm looking forward to a lot, and um, leg of lamb too, and a plum pudding. So I'd love a dessert 
um, wine. And also, I'd really love to know what red I could chill because it's feeling very balmy. And I'd love to, to, to kind of have a nice kind of red in the fridge, but I'm not quite sure where to go with that kind of particular genre. <laughs> so I'd love some guidance on that. So this part, yeah, I don't know if there are a lot of rules around uh, chilled reds or not, but Chandra, we can probably come back to that as as, as well. Uh, You are listening to Monocle on Sunday with me, Tyler Relay, Chandra Kurt, Gillian Debias, Sophie Grove, Andrew Tuck and Emma Nelson uh, for this very, very special uh, Easter edition. Gillian, um, maybe just uh, be, we're going to be going to Toronto um, shortly. Uh, our uh, kind of, I wouldn't say it's not really our hometown, but we, we have, yeah, we have connections. We have, we we have, have, Toronto, we have Toronto, Toronto roots. But I, I wanted to just to rewind last week. Andrew, we were talking about the, uh, the Brodovich uh, exhibition. We didn't touch, though, on, on one other really, really fantastic show um, that was also uh, on at the, the Museum for Gestaltung here in, in Zurich, which was um, the work of, of René Huber. Um, and this was, uh, yeah, maybe you can sort of set up this designer, well, designer, costumer, yeah. etc. And, and it was just, it was a discovery for both of us. Well, a discovery, not just for uh, for us, but it was the first time there's ever been a retrospective of this Swiss fashion designer's work because um, he, he passed away in Zurich 20 years ago and uh, his neighbour found two boxes full of sketches, photographs, letters, even Academy Awards, and basically sort of, I think, donated it to a museum. But basically, uh, René Hubert, uh, a Swiss, started as a craftsman, went to be a a fashion designer in Paris, got discovered uh, by Gloria Swanson in the 20s or 30s, who literally brought him over to Hollywood where he dressed the stars, the biggest, Greta Garbo, uh, all the biggest, Marlene Dietrich, all the biggest stars. And he also dressed them on screen and off screen because, you know, the the value of a star was their image and the glamour. So he sort of made them into who they were. And he became, you know, one of the best at the time uh, costume designers. And probably the best part of the, the show, and, and uh, to our, our colleagues in London, uh, this, this was probably the best bit, though, was he also did the uniforms for, for Swiss Air and also did a lot of the, the staging when Swiss Air was thinking about their, their new brochures, how they were pre- presenting their brand and image, at a time when also when the airline really wanted to go global. This is when they were coming into to the jet age. And there there is just the most incredible setup. You sort of think about almost, this almost looked like a proper Easter feast. I mean, people sitting at proper tables, Red and white curtains, red and white tablecloths. Absolutely amazing. But anyway... that was one thing. But then also there was that one film, there was this this, this imagery of this amazing, amazing uh, movie that he also, uh, well, one of many, many movies, but these sort of, you know, costumes from the future, which were completely over the top. Um, you know, Emma Nelson, you would have liked this because, you know, this is in the, th- you know, we're talking, I think it was a film for the 1930s, yeah. but we were all flying through space even then in helicopters. I mean, it was way before people were thinking about, you know, having sort of, you know, personal drones. It was, it was really it was And because amazing, everything's it? black and white, it's sort of, um, everything had to be quite graphic. So in a way, it makes it very contemporary and very futuristic. So, you know, it may have been, you know, decades ago, but it was very, very now. Now, Andrew, I'm not going to be mean, but have you seen any good exhibitions lately? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ouch. I'm just wondering, is, has Gillian kind of taken up a few of these styling tips? I've got pictures of her sitting there in some, like, giant hat with a kind of headscarf or something. I'm sure she's kind of, like, I'll got I'll send into photos, the Andrew. <laughs> well, she needs something for her nibbling down by the lake, so... Uh, <laughs> 
no, um, Jillian, um, Jillian did say that there, and maybe this is uh, Sophie, we're going to have to bring our, our Marcella Palak, who's Marcella's up in the mountains still. Uh, but Jillian, you sort of packed for winter, and now that you're staying all the way into the spring season with part of your grand tour, um, there's going to have to be a bit of a shopping trip, it seems. I need Marcella's help, definitely. Um, Andrew uh, and, and, and Sophie, just um, maybe a little bit of a, a spool back very quickly. Andrew, we're, we're in the middle of sending our May issue uh, to press. We've got another another um, few days. But I want to talk maybe just a little bit uh, about sort of the, the evolution of, of, of where things are going. And maybe, uh, you know, it's, it's been interesting when you look at our, our past few issues of the magazine. I think there's been, you know, on, on one side, wanting to give, of course, some sense of, of, of direction. I wouldn't sort of say guidance, but I think certainly a bit of a, a rallying cry for our readers. Um, you're at the pointier end of, of reader feedback because now your name is at the top of the basket rather than mine. I hope you like doing all of that customer service work as well um, after, after hours. But I'm wondering, do you, do you have a sort of a sense of, I guess, when, when you listen to our readers, this sort of multi-track world that we might be in at the moment in terms of you know, how people are feeling in New Zealand and Australia versus the U.S. West Coast versus, of course, what we're sitting in, in the middle of Europe at the moment? Well, I, I guess the most interesting one this week has been speaking to people in the U.S., uh, readers and contributors as well, and just the pace of the reset in the U.S. I spoke to somebody yesterday who's just about to have their 40th birthday next week and said, I'm in New York, and the great news is today I had my second vaccination. I'm traveling already quite a lot in the U.S. for work. And there, here's a country where you thought they were completely stymied by the, the the whole coronavirus pandemic. And suddenly they seem to be getting a little bit more agile and mobile. And, and the rate at which the vaccinations are happening and the rate at which things are, are kind of half opening up has been, I think, really interesting. So certainly lots of people there. Suddenly the, we've gone through a year where all of our... Often we wrote something, and American readers were like, "Hold on, this is a you know this is a disaster. You know, please don't leave your homes." A, a real sense of fear from many people who wrote to us from the US, and that has flipped. That's really it's really interesting to see how much that narrative has changed. But I think for you know we have a very interesting readership, and the majority of people want to be mobile. They want to cross borders. They want to see family, friends, have business opportunities. So while they're they're wise and cautious, I think there's there is a little bit of chomping at the bit really to get out there. And, and get moving. No, I think you're absolutely right, Andrew. I was corresponding with uh, one of our uh, our partners who's out in uh, in Honolulu, and he said, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm on my way to Miami for business, and then I'm then I'm heading back to the West Coast." And so I think there, you do have the sense that you know America, okay, fine, domestic travel uh, is is not where it was a year or, or even pre pandemic, but things are are absolutely um, lifting. Uh, one other um, interesting conversation you mentioned vaccines, though, and I think this is you know maybe one to sort of open up to to a wider conversation. But uh, I was talking to the the CEO of Novartis, um, a little bit earlier in the week, and we'll be um, having that interview coming up uh, o- over the coming days. But what he was saying too was, you know, if you if actually maybe if you rewind um, I, I, about a year ago when we spoke to him, he was saying, you know. W- we may not we may not find a vaccine. He said, and if we do find a vaccine, it's not going to be to late twenty one or maybe even to twenty two. So that was you know a bit of a, a word of caution. And I think what he was saying, and, and I think what we've been talking a lot about as well, Andrew, is learning to live with this. And and how does how does the economy move forward? How does society uh, move forward? But I think one of the very curious or interesting things that came out of the conversation just uh, the other day was 
are we going to also take a moment to to really learn lessons from this? And he's and he again, it was just it was a not a, not a cautionary warning, but he said we shouldn't just look to the fact. Okay, we've got a vaccine now, and then we just you know plow on. But could we have actually looked at a number of different things when it comes to what could we have closed down? You know, what should have remained open? And 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 really sort of questioning: Will government take the time to take a breath? Will there? Let's not call them, you know, investigations, but will there be a real audit of what happened? And, and how do you how do you move into this this next time? It's interesting, though, because I think here in the UK, much of that debate is now sitting in, in corporate boardrooms, you know, that it's been taken away from the government. So the government here is saying, let's get people back into work. Let's move ahead quite swiftly to a return to some kind of new normal. And actually, it's the business world is is being more reluctant to engage in that. And I think that there's a lot of people whose life patterns have changed after a full year. And it is going to be complicated maneuvering those people back out. But it's interesting for, for the UK that this happens over summer. And I think that, that they're, they're saying about the heat that will get people outdoors, the, the light that will get people outdoors, that we should give people some some enthusiasm. Because I think the, the odd thing you do notice is a, a kind of... A, a loss both in government and in businesses and amongst individuals, a little bit a loss of confidence. People are a bit nervous mm. about heading back out. And that's a bit that all of us have to encourage people to go over because you just see it, with, especially with, oddly with younger people, just a bit cautious about re-engaging with the world. I think people it, are cautious about just seeing even their own friends. Yeah. I've spoken to a lot of people who said, I've actually forgotten how to even show up at a dinner party and kind of sit down and just be myself because we've been sort of skulking about for the winter. And I think people just need to have those sunny moments and just reconnect. Mm. And they need that confidence, like you say. We had exactly the same conversation around our dinner table last week where I actually said, I can't even remember who our friends are. And, and my husband just went... <laughs> We haven't been allowed to have friends for a year. It's It's been, you know, streng verboten. But, but just going back to the idea of people going back into the world again, I, I wonder where there's a recalibration of what values we, we prize now. Um, I know just talking to someone who works in property last week, he was saying that the price of a building with a rooftop terrace has suddenly become something rather special. And the way that people are going to interact with each other um, will actually determine the future of our offices and the future of our living spaces. You know, can an office be open for just three days a week, keep the lights on, keep the heating on, so that people who wish to work from home can have the option from coming backwards and forwards? And I think there's a big waiting game in industry at the moment saying, OK, if, which big player is going to do what? And then when they go, then they will try, then the new path will be found. Gillian, I just wanted to bring you in because, you know, you've been here for two weeks. You were, well, a little over a week now out of, out of quarantine What's your view been? Because you know, in a way, you, you're, you've been living a similar life to to Andrew and and Emma and Sophie in London. Uh, I, yeah, I don't want to fill it in for you because I've, I've been I've been witness to it. But when you compare exactly, Emma's like, like, who are our friends? It's just when people have been so cut off. What's have you been here? I mean, I think here people aren't foolhardy, and yet there is a sense of they've already climbed out from under the rock, and partly due to the weather, but partly just, I think, a bit of common sense in the way that we can still keep our friendships going and we can get together. And there is this wonderful sort of 
sense of of the need to to connect with people that is on the streets and in little corners and and in pockets of the lake shore and people are sort of desperate to 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 have some kind of friendship and uh, get togethers Andrew, what she's saying very diplomatically, and Emma and Sophie as well, is that she's had a freaking whirlwind here. Um, <laughs> I didn't for, want to for, say it for, for the last few days, <laughs> multiple dinner parties, and uh, and 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 much more. But but here's the interesting point: one of the federal councillors, uh, Uli Maurer, said this week uh, that you know one of the one of the concerns uh, that that he has coming out of this is, is it is have we forgotten how to debate uh, have we forgotten how to have a a discussion because he said he because we know this has been so polarizing and you know are you wearing a mask you're not wearing a mask you know what side of the vaccine divide you're on and and i wanted to maybe just before we we go and talk to our colleague um, thomas in toronto but maybe just open this this up you know a little bit it may not and andrew i'll start with you do, do you think that we we get to a point uh, you know, where, and of course, as a magazine, we've been advocating, say we have to have a debate, and and there needs to be more discussion, and has to move off screen. Do you think you know, Mr. Maurer has a point there as well that also you know it, we need to be questioning uh, you know within a liberal democracy, we need to be asking, and he's saying we should you know society should be asking more questions of gov- of government, and he he's sort of wondering you know why is everyone being demonized? And he's saying like you're almost a heretic, you know if if you just question anything, and he's like we're we're losing something here, and he, and almost to the point saying there's there's too much. Um, faith in government. And, and I'm wondering if this becomes a discussion across Europe and many other places, if, if, we, if we do end up having that reflection moment, rather than everyone just sort of jumping in the lake and throwing their clothes off, because uh, summer is here. Well, I guess in the UK particularly, the, the, the debate around coronavirus, when it, it came to what you should do, was always push through the the, the 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 spectrum of you know the national health and the idea was you know you you had to behave because otherwise hospitals will be overwhelmed we're at a position now where I think there's roughly 4,000 people uh, in, in, in hospital beds with coronavirus at the moment in the UK. It was 40,000 at Christmas. So w- when it drops that much, the debate changes. So people are out and willing to have debates. But after a year of this, it, it's, it's funny. Some people don't want to debate. Some people have re- withdrawn from society. Some people feel weird about everything. But on the other side, you know, you only have to look at the, the news here, whether it's about what is history, whether it's about race, whether it's about gender, whether it's about policing. Not only people are debating, people people are, are desperate to get out and kind of shout their corner. And I, so I think that it's, it's it'll be interesting how that debate manifests itself. Is it just going to be, you know, people in their corners being angry or is there any middle ground that we can, you know, reconvene around to have a, a, a national conversation? And I don't want to uh, to um, put you on the spot to make make a prediction, um, but do you know, do do you think that that is almost the way we've been conditioned? Now, yeah, partly also what we've been through because people have been isolated. It's just going to be a lot of people shouting. Hopefully, they they galvanize an audience. But whether that discussion is going to happen, that discussion face to face, and 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 it has been interesting because I think this is one of the fascinating things out of this year, Gillian. I mean, we were talking to some French friends around the corner as well, saying, you know. This this moment of actually having dinner parties again has been a very good thing. And often dinner parties within closed rooms, where there's not a lot of people listening, that you can have have a proper discussion. And I, Andrew, I guess I, I wonder, as you said, maybe the friends who are sort of you know being a little bit you know cheeky and and cheating, people coming together in a different way right now. That maybe this actually does fuel a different type of of conversation. 
Well, I think you know, our friends will all come together. But I'll throw it to Sophie and Emma as well, because I, I think what's interesting here in the UK, and you know, we're always a little bit more hot-headed here in the UK, but it, 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 it does feel that you know, a bit like after the Second World War, and people did warn us when we went into this, we could have this moment. You went into the Second World War, and when you came out of it, actually people were less willing to hold on to the social conventions and the mores that had, had got them into the war and got them through those years. They came out the other side and they wanted some change and they wanted radical change. That's when we got the national health, when that's when all sorts of things happened in society. And there's a younger generation who maybe they have been quiet and stayed at home for a year, but th- there's a there's a there's a tension which hopefully will lead to positive things, but there is a tension out there at the moment here in the UK that you you you, you see every day in the newspapers. Some of it's not nice, some of it's 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 difficult, but I think on the whole it'll be interesting to see if is it is this going to be a bit of a kind of a sixties moment, a bit of radical change. I think a lot of people now are speaking to someone who is absolutely in the thick of it at the start of the pandemic last year, and he said there's a very good reason why people don't talk about what happened in the war because it is too close and it is too traumatic. And I think at the moment we're still too deeply in the the, the crisis. Yes, the the vaccine is coming round and we are opening up a lot more. But compared with quite a lot of other countries, I think the United Kingdom had a very, very strict lockdown on several, several levels. And Andrew is absolutely right. The level of tension now, you just need to see the number of people losing their temper in the street nowadays. When people cross over the road and a bicycle goes in their way, there's not just the odd swear word, there's a full-blown argument. And one gets the impression that hopefully the lockdown will allow more breathing space both physically and psychologically so people can sit down and have a few grown-up conversations about it. But I think now at this precise moment, we're still too raw. But I also think yeah, the idea of what is the public sphere is, is, is really, I mean, it's been just thrown out there because, you know, it, it, we, our liberal democracy came about from the coffee, the conversations that happened in coffee shops, in private homes, or, you know, this bourgeois notion of the dinner party is kind of demonised, but it's actually very important to evolving thought and getting people to challenging norms and actually calling people to action privately and we haven't had that we've been fragmented and I wonder what the consequences of that will be Um, and maybe people won't feel so enfranchised and 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 how will they actually mobilize other than this kind of frustration that you're talking about Um, how can we constructively take some of these feelings and call government to account and hold them to account on things like the environment where people do feel very ignored and frustrated just if everyone's just sorry, just to interrupt. Um, if everyone's been wondering what happened to Chandra, you've, been, you, you, you've heard. You've heard she, listen, she she, she, she she didn't have to run down to, to the to the gas station uh, to get extra ice for the buckets or anything. You've heard just a lot of like ripping of, of paper and a lot of scribbling. She's written the foreword for obviously an, an Easter tome about what to uh, what wine to consume uh, over this uh, most holy of holidays. Uh, we're going to take a very short break. Uh, when we come back uh, with the special of Monocle on Sunday, heading to Toronto to speak to our Thomas Lewis. Funny how many people get these things wrong. I go into a lot of jazz clubs and I go, what made you build it like this? Everyone's got an opinion about design these days, but join us on a journey to cut through the noise as we sit down with some of the design greats. It's just bloody-minded inquisitiveness, really. We also have you covered on everything from architecture to product design to fonts and fashion too. There's so many collections being designed. Actually, there maybe is a lifespan on a 
designer's role at the helm of a brand. If you haven't already guessed it, Monocle on Design is Monocle's weekly design show. Tune in every Tuesday at 2000 London time or find it wherever you get your podcasts. And you are back with Monocle on Sunday with me, Tyler Bray. I'm also joined by Gillian Debias and Chandra Court here in Zurich in London, Andrew Tuck, Emma Nelson and Sophie Grove. And now we're crossing over to another one of our colleagues. Thomas Lewis is back in Canada. He's been in Wales for quite a stretch. We believe he is out of quarantine um, and he might be running around the streets of Toronto looking for Easter eggs. Happy Easter. Hello, Thomas. Happy Easter to you too, Tyler. Uh, tell me, uh, how is the picture and uh, how is life looking in uh, Toronto at, uh, at the moment? Well, life personally is still quite sort of ensconced, ensconced and quite cosy, actually, Tyler. I spent three nights in a quarantine hotel uh, when I came back last week, and that was a, a bit of an experience. I think it was an experience I was sort of dreading, actually, but actually it was all done incredibly nicely and felt very cosy. And I was sort of, you were allowed to have two outdoor stints a day for 15 minutes, and you had to be sort of walked out of the hotel by a very uh, sweet member of staff. But listening to the walkie-talkies of the people manning the elevators, I just felt that lots of the other guests were having far m- more fun than I was. They were asking for bottle openers and extra towels and all this kind of thing. So I was like, well, I've missed a trick here. I'm being far too frugal. But it's nice to have been out out of the, the hotel and back in, in quarantine at home, which which ends tomorrow. So it's so counting down the hours until that, Tyler. And is that going to be a joyous moment? Because I, I believe that the Ontario government uh, is looking at... Uh, yeah, I, I, basically a new set of measures, not quite a, as hard a lockdown that exists over, existed over Christmas, um, but something which um, is, is, is a little bit more on the severe side as to where things have been because terraces are open uh, in, in Toronto, uh, re, you know, non-essential retail is, is open, a little bit sort of semi-back to normal um, in, in, in springtime, uh, though of course you know, people are, are still working from home, etc. So uh, what, what type of Toronto are, are you going to be walking out into uh, Uh, come the end of Easter. Well, it's it's a good question, actually. I don't think I'll be skipping through the streets of my Easter bonnets uh, tomorrow because, as you say, Tyler, I think barely three weeks or so since the last lockdown here, which was one of the longest uh, of any city in North America, there are new restrictions coming, which I think is, is, you know, required, of course. If you look at the numbers here, they're they're pretty pretty stark. Uh, There are more people in intensive care uh, beds in Toronto at the moment than there have been since any point in the pandemic. So I think there's a real cause of concern here. I think many are asking, you were talking earlier Tyler, uh, about the idea of sort of communication or asking questions of government. I think given that I'm only a week back, I have been kind of surprised that it doesn't seem in the news coverage to be that much questioning about why now a city like Toronto, which of course is Canada's largest city, so pretty important for the health of the the whole country, why why we're back in this situation when both the lockdown has been so long and also you look at the vaccine rollout, it's been incredibly slow and it just, I, I just wonder where that question questioning is coming from, given that Toronto last year had had protests against anti-masks, those kind of things, against lockdowns. Uh, but the idea that, you know, Toronto has been subject to a very long and very rigid lockdown so far, but still the numbers have been increased. I think I'm not quite sure who's asking the questions about 
why we're back in this this position sort of now really uh, so it's a little bit disheartening i think it's fair to say but but the as you alluded to there tyler you know there is a little bit of normality back so perhaps the go back into lockdown uh, won't feel as as restrictive as it might have say sort of after after last summer here but yes it's a it's a, a little bit of a disheartening picture i'd say at the moment andrew do you think there's a, a- yeah, a body of work to be done uh, on the topic of you know, what is going to happen to to certain economies or certain countries or cer- or certain regions, not just because of you know, the impact of of a lockdown period. We know, of course, the economy grinds to halt, but it's more the, the lasting effects as, as people come out of it. And I'm wondering if we're going to see clear winners that people, you know, let's say, you know, regions or countries that went into this, which maybe weren't in great shape, uh, they took a different uh, approach. In, and I, I guess I always come back to the sort of mental health level. At, at, at what stage when people come out of this thing, you know, are they sort of limbered up? Are the, are the sneakers tied up? Are they ready to run? You know, or are they still um, in their pajamas? Well, it's interesting. We're doing the Entrepreneurs uh, magazine at the moment. And one of the things that I've been speaking to the writers about is saying, you know, which cities are actually already putting in place this notion that you need to be connected, first of all. So who, you know, we know that a year ago, as we entered into this, many cities had very ambitious plans for attracting people to come to their cities, to start up businesses, to start up uh, enterprises that would employ their, their their residents. Suddenly, all that has vanished in the past year. And you, you, you hope that many city governments have actually already drawn up the plans about how they re-engage with the world because it's great that you have your internal economy but you're going to see it become quite competitive I think as the world does open up who's got those policies in place to bring in the opportunities because that impacts people's mental health as well it's like is there a job that I can do is is there an opportunity for me to get out there and start my own enterprise even so uh, I think that all of that is, is is going to be fundamental to how we come out of this but yeah I think the mental health thing is is it's interesting because you know I, I think on one hand you know I'm not sure everybody has the kind of severe depression that you know gets trumpeted out on the self-help pages of newspapers, but a kind of malaise is is certainly has set in with many people, and it's just been a bit grinding as you, as as Emma was saying. It's like one year of not seeing people. It's like one year of of only seeing you know a small contingent of your friends of not being able to do the things that normally make you happy when you're stressed. You know you can't go and go for a swim you can't go to the gym you you're all of those those releases have been missing so it's going to be interesting to see that the mental reset for cities but i think that you know my last point on this i just noticed here in london i th- i think there's going to be a quite a rapid bounce back i feel you know, uh, two two or three of our colleagues have been buying apartments in in recent months and even though when they've gone to see places it's not that they they've had the choice of what they want they're up against people in bidding wars because actually people are staying in the city. Yes, some people are left who are going to leave, but I think that you're going to see these big, strong metropolises come back very strongly. Thomas, just uh, quickly, being back in this adopted hometown of yours uh, now, uh, what, are, what are you looking forward to? I mean, Andrew's sort of talking about this this opening up. So if maybe to put you a little bit on the spot, uh, you know, the, the city that you want to go to, uh, the, the person uh, that, you, that you want to, to interview, uh, and, and yeah, I think maybe just, you know, what, what are you looking forward to in terms of the delights of Toronto? Well, I think in terms of one particular delight in Toronto, Tyler, that I really sort of 
embraced, I think, last year for the first time. I've been here probably for about four or five years, I guess, uh, were the Toronto Islands, which are these islands just tucked off the off the sort of coast, off the shore of, of Toronto, downtown Toronto, in Lake Ontario. And it's this absolutely glorious um, public open space, which is a short water taxi ride away. And, you know, I'd find myself sort of going on weekends, maybe sort of to catch the sunset after work. And it just felt like you were sort of a world away, even though lots of the city was still closed. It just felt like a real escape. So I'll definitely be getting my swimming trunks back on, Tyler, when the weather allows and and dashing back over to the islands. I think in terms of of travelling, gosh, I think the list is fairly long, actually. I've been dreaming, dreaming quite hard about lots of different places. One place to keep with the island theme that I really have been thinking about a lot was a a place we we covered for an issue of The Escapist a few years ago, uh, which is Galliano Island in the Gulf Islands off the coast of Vancouver and it was it was only about a two or three day trip but it felt like much much longer it's a place where you have to hire a scooter to get around so you know darting through the woodland watching the sunset trying to avoid hitting the deers as they scampered out across the road it was really quite a picturesque place that it was a short trip but had quite a big effect on me Uh, so if I do get the chance to go back there Thomas, sorry, when you said deers, is that, are you talking about grannies or are you talking about <laughs> deers with antlers? <laughs> the antlers type. I'm, I'm very careful of grannies on the road, Tyler. Okay, good. good. Our Thomas Lewis uh, in Toronto. We are going to have to uh, leave it there. You're listening to Monocle on Sunday uh, with me, Tyler Brule, uh, in Zurich. Uh, as we uh, said at the top of the show uh, to, uh, of course, to all of our, our colleagues, all everyone uh, assembled around the microphones around the world, uh, that uh, Chandra, of course, has some wine tips. But I'm also very, very happy to say um, that uh, we... Um, we're going to do a little bit of a different kind of DIY um, moment right now because I'm very happy to say from across the street, uh, we have Christoph Klein here, who's from uh, Grossenbacher Blumen, which is, yeah, when you walk into the, the monocle space uh, here in Zurich, uh, you will probably notice uh, a lot of fine greenery, uh, which has really, of course, uh, been yeah, been delivered uh, and, and certainly pruned and looked after uh, by the wonderful people at Grossenbacher. Uh, Frau Austin, uh, very, very, very nice to see you, Christoph. Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Tyler. Now, uh, tell me, busy weekend for you, but before we talk about a couple of of questions that people might have, uh, when people come into the shop for Easter, what do people want in Zurich? What what is the number one seller? What what did you have to sort of go crazy on in terms of preparing for this weekend? Tulips. Tulips, tulips, and more tulips. Yes. Tulips in all the colors, all styles, filled ones, the parrot tulips, uh, all kinds of tulips, the French tulips, the short tulips and all the spring flowers that are available now. I have a question. Of course, I've been buying you know, a, a lot of tulips from you as well. And of course, you know, frequently when you buy flowers, they come with you know, the, that little pack of flower cocaine uh, that, that, you, that you can give uh, to, to the plants. What's in that? Because it actually, I, I did sort of, the tulips were looking really sad the other day. I never really believed it. And they actually went absolutely crazy. I mean, you, so it's, it's, you think it's some sort of kind of plant Pat- Viagra. No, it was, it, was really, it was really quite extraordinary. It's sugar. And um, some stuff to help the water clean against bacterias. But I recommend just change the water every day and clean the vase very, very well with hot water and with soap and fill in clean water and cut the stems new. And that's all. That's the same thing. You don't need this, this stuff to put in the water. 
Okay, Andrew. So th- that's just a perfect tip for you as well. Obviously, as you're as you're doing, uh, of course, uh, your your living room, looking at uh, after all of the bouquets. Obviously, the same in my you know in in my what was my corner office in London as well. Um, I, I can imagine. Now, Andrew, and so because Andrew, our editor in London, he's got a very lovely terrace in in Bloomsbury. The times that I've seen it, I haven't been invited around that many times, to be honest. But anyway, um, it, it, it was it was looking um, it was it was looking quite fine. But Andrew, any questions when you think about uh, this this patch of of outdoor real estate uh, that you have? Anything and uh, any bit of advice that you're looking for from from Christoph? Yeah, just give us uh, your maybe your top two or three plants for being outdoors in sun, in wind, exposed up there on a roof terrace because that's where we're all heading this summer. And uh, wait, quickly, Andrew, are you good at watering? Though I have to ask this question first as well. Uh, we have an automatic watering system. How about that? Hey, that's perfect. Uh, okay, that's so Chris, so, 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 so what? So what is it? What does Andrew? What does Andrew need then? What What would you recommend for his Bloomsbury terrace? Uh, it depends on. What's the situation of the terrace? It's uh, very sunny. sunny. Yeah, it's very sunny, but okay. it's very sunny. But it's at the end of a. a, a, a it's not that. Ex- so it's quite exposed. You get a bit of a draft as well in, in the evening. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you like uh, permanent plants or do you like seasonal plants? Permanent, please. Permanent, please. Okay. Um, blooming or evergreen or. Well, I like evergreen, but I feel a bit guilty because you know there are quite a few bees that come by and hoping to kind of stop off a, a bit of a, a, a bit of a, a drink on a, a flower. And I, if you don't have anything that flowers, and I feel that you're being a bit mean to the, the local insects. Okay, to help the local insects, you have to plant special plants. So the best thing is you make a, a big pot and uh, sew out some wild plants. You I- can find it in a, in a mixture. That helps the, the wild bees because all the very cultivated plants, they don't help the bees. They can't uh, profit from these um, flowers. Okay, a perfect tip. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, and what about his, what, what about trees and other things that Andrew, something which is going to get watered, Christoph, but is, is always going to sort of generally look good because you never know when he's going to do it impromptu. Chandra might sort of show up, you know, uh, when London reopens again, and then Andrew has to invite Chandra and also treat Chandra as well as, as Andrew was treated on Chandra's terrace. <laughs> so what, what, we, what we suggest in terms of, you know, just greenery that always is looking good all, all year round. All year round? Hmm, that's difficult. Because you have, that's really difficult. It depends on what you like. I have a big, very big terrace, for example. I have 120 square meters uh, rooftop terrace, and I have a mixture of that's everything. That's much bigger than Andrew's rooftop terrace. That, <laughs> okay. that, that, that's for that's sure. Christoph, you've, 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 you've won that battle, house. right? <laughs> I have a lot of perennial herbs, for example, hostas. I like them very, very much. They are in different styles, different uh, leaf shapes, different colors from the leaves. I have books. I have uh, a lot of hydrangeas, different styles of hydrangeas. I have pine trees. I have idera. I think it's important to um, have different shapes, different highs, and different structures of the plants. That helps a lot. And, um, for example, a nice uh, acre, a Japanese, um, they, they look very lovely, and you can cut them if they're going to go too, too big. And I think you have to 
make different uh, different greens, different shape of leaves, different sizes, and that's the, the, you will have a very nice terrace. I think it sounds like Christoph's lobbying for a, a flight over Andrew because your head, your head might blow You're off. Very if you, welcome. If, if, if you if you if you had to if you had to do all of that, Chandra, maybe because everyone, of course, is is uh, is asking advice of you. You have a very nice terrace. Anything uh, that uh, that maybe Christoph could help you well, with? Well, I have a small problem. I have two pigeons that want to make a nest in a tree. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and we put already. I don't he doesn't. Know. They don't sell guns at Grossenbacher's. Uh, um, but anyway, just destroy the nest. They, they didn't do a nest. They didn't do a nest yet. But they come and they sit there and they look at us and we look at them and we say, "What do you go, go, go?" But they come again. Nothing to do. Nothing to I do. Have to no. leave them the space. Yes. Okay. You have to employ, employ a local hawk. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but maybe it's a falconry. Gillian, <laughs> uh, J- uh, just before we go, uh, when you return to London, you've got also a great little balcony in Primrose Hill. And a- anything, any advice that you uh, require of Christoph? Well, it's more for next winter because I was very jealous when Sophie Grove said that she had a mimosa tree in her front yard. Can okay. I grow mimosa in a pot on my yes, terrace? Yes, you can <gasps> grow mimosa in, in a pot. Um, I don't know about the temperatures in London in, in winter. Maybe you have to protect the pot with a bubble um, thing around the pot. And there's these fleas to protect plants mm. against the cold. And maybe if you have a very, very ni- uh, cold night or a cold... Um, uh, time, just cover the plant, the whole plant, uh, with these fleas, and don't forget to give water even in winter, because the mimosa is evergreen. She has always uh, leaves. Don't forget to to give water, because Perfect. it's the thing in winter. You you think okay. I'm not on the terrace. I'm inside, and uh, it's raining, and uh, the plant has enough water. But give water. Good tip. Thank it's you. very important. Very good lessons learned. Christoph Klein from Grossenbacher. Uh, have a very, very nice Easter. Very, very good Thank to see you. Thank you very much. Very nice Easter to you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, just before we go, staying on uh, the, the advice level and, and advice tips, as, as, as I was saying earlier in the program, Chandra has been, yeah, she's been uh, really sort of churning out a bit of a book here uh, today uh, and it's taken the breeze very, very seriously. So we are going to go back around, do a little recap. Uh, and uh, Emma, we'll, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, and just, just remind us, there's, there's going to be a lot of, I think there's, there's a roast, there's all kinds of things happening. And uh, yeah, you, you had a question or two around that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, first I have a question for Chandra. What wine do you serve with shot pigeon? <laughs> uh, champagne, because we managed. <laughs> because the little buggers are gone. <laughs> no, I tell you, they're always sitting there. But anyway, maybe it's some ancestors that are coming back. I think they have uh, excellent taste. I know that. <laughs> yeah. You gave me a tricky question Sorry. because there is one element in it. You know, lamb is usually um, it's it's Easter dish and it goes very well with syrah. This is a, a mariage that, that will fit always, but you have some lemon as as a mm. conditionment. And lemon, if you think about the taste, it changes really the structure of the wine. So I have two solutions. You know, because I love that you have two bottles on the table. You take the classic uh, wine, the, the, the Fundaron, a Cornas, a pure zero. It's not too heavy. It's nice, spicy. It will fit with with the, all the ingredients you put in the lamb. And then uh, on the other side, you take an orange wine, you know, one of these natural wine, an orange wine, which is actually a white wine. But it, it has this, this funky, wild, fresh taste. And it has a good structure because it's, it's done like a red wine. So you have this structure. And this could be, I suppose, even better because of the lemon. 
But but you 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 taste both of them. That sounds perfect because I didn't tell you that I don't actually like churros or syrup. Yeah, good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> so, very you, good. Gave, you gave us a good backup. Thank good. you, Charlie. Perfect. Uh, Gillian. Okay, you went to the Swiss mountains. Kondersteg, it's very depressing. Or is it not? It's, it's he- not depressing. It's a heavy place. It's a heavy place <laughs> in the mountains. And heavy places give heavy food, so you survive it up there. And um, you know, usually you combine it also with a, with a heavy wine, and I will go for a Swiss wine. Um, there, there are all kinds of grapes, like Cornelin, Humanier Rouge, but I will suggest a, a Merlot from Ticino, mm. because it, it, you, know, you have this... this deep fruit, this this good structure. And there's a wonderful wine producer, Barbara von der Krone. She does this lovely structured, uh, uh, intense uh, Merlots. And I would suggest something like this. So really Switzerland and Switzerland. That's good. And just and just to remind everyone that that Gillian was going to be doing a, a rusty uh, with a, a very with a very rich. nice mushroom, mushroom creamy sauce. mushroom sauce. You will be very tired after this, but uh, but, but happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long weekend. I can I can, uh, I can so, sleep. Charlie, what was the name of the uh, the, the the producer in Barbara von der Krone. Barbara von der Krone. Sophie, that just sounds that sounds like a a, a, a convex story. I'm it scribbling like, it down. Like, I know. I was going to say it sounds like a, a convex cover woman. Okay, d- just to now, now remind us. Uh, you, again, you had quite a you quite a spread that you're putting on this evening. Uh, what were you looking for, Sophie, from Chandra? So I'm having white asparagus at, to start, and then a classic uh, leg of lamb, and a, it's actually a plum crumble. Exactly. And, you know, here we could go and say we take three wines, but let's try it with one wine. And uh, usually with, with Spargo's white, you will take a white wine with lamb, like Syrah or a red wine and plum again, something else. But we put it all down together to a rosé and you take a, a more heavy rosé from the Tavel region. And I would suggest Family Perrin. They have this really um, structured but not too heavy wine. So it will go with the Spargo's. It has the structure for the lamb and you will see it even fits with the plum pudding. And maybe in the end you put some ice in the, in, in the Tavel to change it a little bit. Heaven sounds amazing, the Perrin. And um, did you have a tip, also a tip for a a cool red? Yeah, so so we always think that the red wine has to be more warm, and this is absolutely not 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 true because the the the, the sinking comes from the time when you say room temperature, but the rooms at that time were more chilled than today. So actually, I prefer when the red wine is a little bit chilled. And uh, what what is important is that they don't have too much tannin, so not too much structure. So you take like a Gamay or a Beaujolais or a Pinot Noir that, that didn't age in wood, so it has just a fruity note. And um, and this you can always serve from the fridge. Okay, now now, um, Charles, thank you for that. Just to, for for our listeners, just just to warn you, this was the. Andrew's coming up now. This was the moment when Chandra's <laughs> eyes were into the back, of the back of her head because a- Andrew Andrew said that he wanted what could go with a, a big Toblerone purchase duty free. So Chandra, o- over to you if you're still with us. Chandra, let's just point out that Easter is a time of chocolate. It's a time of like, excess and it's sweetness. It, it's true. Not it's everyone's true. having asparagus, you know. <laughs> and lamb. <laughs> so also, it, you, Toblerone is sweet. Uh, it's it's uh, how do you say genussmittel in English? Nutty. It's a, it's a indulgement. Is is you you get the full seduction. So usually, if you combine two seduction, you know the end is a maybe. Um, you will know what. So I suggest you take like this French port style Bonlius. It's this uh, South France appellation. It's it's a fortified. Uh, Grenache wine and it's very sweet it's full body it's almost like melted chocolate so you have a chocolate to chew and a chocolate to drink um, but it, it's intense you will see you will, your palate will be also be a little bit exhausted <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I'm up for the challenge 
Oh, God, yeah. Very good. Br- bring on Easter Monday, Andrew. <laughs> we will look forward to seeing photographic evidence. Uh, uh, listen, Chandra, very, very good uh, to see you. Have a lovely Easter weekend. Happy Easter, Tyler. Gillian, super seeing you. We'll be seeing you for a few more weeks as well. Yes, and a, a, a few more weeks, but uh, enjoy your time drinking yes. your wine and eating your Christmas Yes, yes, dinner, but don't, don't say where I'm going anyway. I uh, Andrew Tuck uh, in, in London, happy Easter. Sophie Grove Thank as you. well, also Emma Nelson. Happy Easter. Happy Easter, Zurich. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, also, big thanks to Thomas Lewis and also to Christoph Klein from Grossenbach of Blumen here in Zurich. Our producer as ever today was Marcus Hippie, our studio managers, Louis Allen in London and Desiree Bentley here in Zurich. I'm Tyler Burley. Have a very, very happy Easter. Monocle on Sunday is back next week. Goodbye.